Welcome to The Sipping Point, where each week we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forster, the wine coach, and I've made it my mission in life to demystify wine and spirits one glass at a time. So expect a fresh and fun approach to the world of wine, spirits, food, and so much more. Well, this week, we're going to talk how one winery in Napa Valley is exploring how wine ages under the sea. Yes, you heard me right. We'll talk to Mira Winery about their experiment that began off Charleston Harbor in February. They put four cases of wine deep into the sea and then compared the taste of that versus the wines they aged on land. They did this in May. Then if sweet tooth is your thing, you are in luck because we're going to talk to the sugar chef about a great dessert you can whip up at home and lots more. All right. Well, we're going to have our sip of the week. I have a delicious red wine in front of me. And to help me out tasting and learning all about this wine, which is the Mira Winery 2009 Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, I want to introduce Jim. They call him Bear Dyke Jr., who's the president of Mira Winery. He's been that since 2011. He's a wine enthusiast and entrepreneur. And you built a Washington, D.C. public affairs firm not far from here in Baltimore and had over two decades of public relations experience. And I'm sure that comes in handy at the winery. You also know how to make micro brews. I think maybe we need to talk about that a little bit, too. So you're well aware and an expert on adult beverages. I love that. Welcome to the show, Bear. Thanks for having me. Well, I don't think I can go any further without asking, how the heck did you get the name Bear? Oh, that's a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a long story <laughs> that started when I was born. Okay. But it's but it's it's nothing uh, it's it's nothing great like wrestling a real bear or, <laughs> or or anything like that. But uh, but it's but it's stuck. I think most of the people I went to school with through you know through high school, um, if I called them today and said, "Hey, it's Jim," they'd say, "Who's that?" Well, <laughs> you mean bear, of course. Right, right. Well, welcome to the sipping point, bear. And I I chuckle at uh, the thing in your bio here about adult beverages and i just heard a radio commercial on our station the other day what can't we say wine or beer on the air anymore i mean that pc that we have to call it adult beverages oh i don't i don't uh i don't use it in the pc term i oh, just good. use it so that it so that it's more it, it, it has a broader context so all I alcohol just enjoy wine or, <laughs> or beer or spirits you I like enjoy it all. sort of a combination of the adult beverages. Oh, I love you already. All right. So in front of us, we have the Mira Winery 2009 Cabernet Sauvignon. Give us a little background, you know, sort of, I guess, a uh, quick background on Mira. And uh, let's talk about this wine that we're sipping. Sure. Well, Mira was really birthed under the uh, a challenge to, uh, at the time, Gustavo Gonzalez, who was the head red winemaker at Robert Mondavi. He was there for 17 years. He made a 100-point rated uh, Italian wine in um, 2001. And the, the challenge was is, is nobody seems to be able to make a California Syrah that could really compete with the great French uh, Rhone-style uh, wines. And uh, Gustavo said, well, if I can get the right grapes, um, I assure you, I can. Mm. Uh, Gustavo had a conversation with Larry Hyde, who uh, of Hyde Vineyard, who's one of the great uh, Napa Valley growers, 
And Larry said, I've got the only 877 clone in the valley, and this is what you need to make this wine, and I'm, I'm happy to let you uh, do that. Um, and that really sort of got us thinking that, that what if we tried to source the best grapes from the best vineyards and create an exceptional portfolio of wines? Mm. Um, there are some, some wineries out there that are one-hit wonders, and I mean that in the most complimentary sort of way, and that <laughs> a one-hit wonder can be a 100-point wine, um, so it's, it's nothing, to, nothing to laugh at. But, but we really wanted to go at it uh, of the sense of, of creating, again, an exceptional portfolio of wines. So we went to a number of different growers um, and, uh, and, and talked to them about getting uh, their grapes. And then, as you know, within each vineyard, there's different blocks. And so mm-hmm. trying to get premier blocks within each vineyard to make um, wines that, that uh, we're really proud of today. No, I love it. And we're sipping the tw- 2009 Cabernet Sauvignon Napa Valley. Really some nice dark fruit, really structured, that sort of um, wonderful, you know, little bit of grip of tannin on the end that makes you want to eat a steak or something hearty. Tell me about what what do you think makes your Cabernet Sauvignon sort of stand out amongst the, you know, the gallons and gallons of Napa Valley cab that sure, people I, encounter? I think it really starts with the, with the grape and... Um, our our uh, 09 cab uh, uh, comes from uh, Magal Vineyard and Garvey, uh, uh, Magal being in uh, Stag's Leap and uh, Garvey being in Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 95% Cabernet, 5% Cab Franc, uh, aged in um, oak barrels, uh, new French oak for two years and then in the bottle for a year before we release it. Gustavo's philosophy, I think, once you get past the grape, is what really drives our um, end product. Right. And that is a, you know, you, you, you hear about people hiring wine consultants um, to instruct them how to make a, if you do this, this, and this, and you add this, and you do this, you, you can have a 94-point rated wine by so-and-so or so-and-so. And, and we don't, we don't view that as what we're in it for. Okay. Um, Gustavo believes in, in really trying to draw out uh, the, the grape into what it's supposed to be. And I know that sounds sort of um, vague, but, you know, each season is different based on the weather mm-hmm. and uh, the amount of heat and um, uh, how much sugar is in the grape and, and how long it was left on the vine. And so it wants to be something different each year. You know, someone asked me um, not too long ago, well, shouldn't all your wines taste the same if you're doing your job? And, and my response was, if we're, if we're doing our job, then they absolutely shouldn't. Right. Um, you should recognize a similar style, uh, but certainly they shouldn't taste the same because you don't have the same grapes every year. Love it. Well, if you want to check out the 2009 Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley and more about Mira Winery, you can go to Mira, M-I-R-A, Napa, N-A-P-A, dot com. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back to talk a little bit more to Bear about his project where he's buried some wine at the bottom of the sea. We'll be back. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach. 
This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and we're back with Bear from Mira Winery. Um, actually, Jim Dyke Jr. is your real name, but everybody calls you Bear, and I'm going to join in on that. We've been tasting your delicious Mira Winery 2009 Cabernet Sauvignon, and you have a really interesting project going on to see to see how the C, S-E-A, <laughs> might hold some secrets to how wine is best aged. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I, I, most people have heard of, you know, discoveries in the Baltic Sea and elsewhere of champagne uh, from shipwrecks, and it was brought up, and people paid lots of money for it and thought, how fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and we thought that was interesting. Um, combine that with the fact that there have been pretty incredible innovations on the production side uh, when you think about technology and, and other ways to to deal with production. And there hasn't been really any um, changes uh, on the aging side. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, people store wine in ginormous warehouses at 55 degrees because that was the temperature of French cellars. And so we said, well, trying to be a little disruptive, what if you aged wine 60 feet down in the ocean in Charleston Harbor? Uh, we went down in February because it was uh, 55 degrees surface water temperature, and we thought that if we were 65, if we were 60 feet down uh, below, that the temperature would would maintain um, for three months. We put a temperature gauge on it and, and found out otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what would what would be the impacts of 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 the things that 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 you take into consideration but don't really impact in say a warehouse pressure motion temperature humidity light um, and so really the first run we had special cages built so that the water could flow through and you'd have the motion of the tides um, and we had divers secure them to the bottom and and the first phase was to make sure that the cages worked, that, okay. that the wine, you know, that it, it was still intact. We had uh, wax uh, seals put over the cork to, to make sure that um, the wine was protected from the ocean uh, and, and brought it up after three months and uh, were stunned that, that in that short period of time, we actually, uh, we actually, the ocean, seemed to have an impact on aging. So... You're using a term uh, that, and you can read a lot about this if you go to the uh, miranapa.com, called aquar, aquar, I should say. And it's um, sort of a take on terroir, which means that the grape will express itself based on where it's grown and the knowledge of the people making the wine in that region. What did you find were the results, I guess, of the aquar the land versus the ocean wine in that first round of tasting, I guess, which was in May. Sure. The, the, the Somalian and the winemaker, a local Somalier and the winemaker, uh, tasted it. And the way the Somalier explained it, uh, we, we basically turned a 2009 into a 2007. Um, it was interesting that the submerged wine tasted more evolved without mm. tasting old. Uh, while the wine that was aged on the land still seemed a bit tight and needed more time to open. That was, again, we were surprised because three months is a very short period of time, and which is why we're, we're going to go back down uh, November 6th with twice as many cages, 
six cases, sorry, eight cases for twice as long, six months. Okay. And um, really, you have to think of this because there have been wineries that have put wine in the ocean and they, you know, pull it out, pop the cork, taste it. Oh, it tastes pretty good. <laughs> this really is a, an experiment. So you have to do a comparison. You have to taste the ocean age wine versus the same wine aged on land. Um, and then try and figure out what the difference is and then try and figure out um, what made the difference. Because ultimately, you know, we don't, we don't make a lot of wine, um, but it's too much wine to put it all in the ocean. <laughs> so really what we learn from aging wine in the ocean, we hope to someday be able to apply to our land-aged wine. Um, and, and then I think we're, we're really into having an impact not just on, on our end product, but on an, an entire industry. Well, I find it interesting. I guess you're gonna you're on a bit of a tour coming up here, right? Uh, to let people taste the difference between your land and ocean wines. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with that. We are. We're doing sort of an old school rock concert type <laughs> tour. Seven cities, seven days, uh, blind tasting uh, the ocean aged wine versus the land aged wine uh, exclusively for 15 people. We're going to start out in Charleston, South Carolina on November 6th after we put uh, the phase two wines in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to Washington, D.C., New York, Palm Beach, Florida, Little Rock, Arkansas, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Wow. Um, And we've selected uh, some of our restaurant partners and sommeliers and um, wine club members and uh, some people who have gone and and registered on our Facebook page. Um, We'll 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 select some people from there, too. So we're we're really excited to get some additional feedback. There's only 48 bottles of this. Wow. and so, but but we feel like it's important to to really share it with people and and get their feedback and 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 see how the the general public responds to it. That's great. Well, I know. Um, again, if folks want to uh, become part of your wine club, check out the wines. They can go to miranapa dot com, and you're in some of the better restaurants. Um, do they still have a chance to get in line to be part of the tour? They do. I think it, uh, we're 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 getting close, and 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 probably only have a few slots left. But to the degree that people are interested, and they go to our Facebook page, great, uh, and 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 register. You know, we'll we'll keep looking at that right up until the time. And if someone cancels, and we have an opening, or nice. Know. Well. We have been having a lot of fun sipping your wine, and definitely I think these experiments are going to shed a lot of light for wine storage going forward, and and maybe warehouses will start simulating the conditions at the bottom of the sea. I guess time will tell. But, uh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, I really appreciate your time, Bear, with us here on The Sipping Point. If you want to check out more, as I said, go to miranapa.com, and thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Cheers. We're back with Bear from Mira Winery. Um, actually, Jim Dyke Jr. is your real name, but everybody calls you Bear, and I'm going to join in on that. We've been tasting your delicious Mira Winery 2009 Cabernet Sauvignon, and you have a really interesting project going on to see to see how the sea, S-E-A, <laughs> might hold some secrets to how wine is best aged. Tell me a little bit more about that. 
Well, most people have heard of, you know, discoveries in the Baltic Sea and elsewhere of champagne uh, from shipwrecks, and it was brought up, and people paid lots of money for it and thought, how fabulous. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and we thought that was interesting. Um, Combine that with the fact that there have been pretty incredible innovations on the production side uh, when you think about technology and, and other ways to to deal with production. And there hasn't been really any um, changes uh, on the aging side. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, people store wine in ginormous warehouses at 55 degrees because that was the temperature of French cellars. And so we said, well, trying to be a little disruptive, what if you aged wine... 60 feet down in the ocean in Charleston Harbor. Uh, We went down in February because it was uh, 55 degrees surface water temperature, and we thought that if we were 65 feet down uh, below that the temperature would would maintain um, for three months. We put a temperature gauge on it and and found out otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, But but what would would be the impacts of, of, of the things that, that, that you take into consideration but don't really impact in, say, a warehouse, pressure, motion, temperature, humidity, light. Um, and so really the first run, we had special cages built so that the water could flow through and you'd have the motion of the tides. Um, and we had divers secure them to the bottom. And, and the first phase was to make sure that the cages worked, that, okay. that the wine, you know, that it, it was still intact. We had uh, wax uh, seals put over the cork to to make sure that um, the wine was protected from the ocean, uh, and and brought it up after three months, and uh, we're stunned that that in that short period of time we actually uh, we actually the ocean seemed to have an impact on aging. So. You're using a term uh, that, and you can read a lot about this if you go to the uh, miranapa.com, called aquar, aquar, I should say. And it's um, sort of a take on terroir, which means that the grape will express itself based on where it's grown and the knowledge of the people making the wine in that region. What did you find were the results, I guess, of the aquar the land versus the ocean wine in that first round of tasting, I guess, which was in May. Sure. The, the, the Somalia and, and the winemaker, a local Somalia and the winemaker uh, tasted it. And the way the Somalia explained it, uh, we, we basically turned a 2009 into a 2007. Um, it was interesting that the submerged wine tasted more evolved without mm. tasting old. Uh, while the wine that was aged on the land still seemed a bit tight and needed more time to open. That was, again, we were surprised because three months is a very short period of time, and which is why we're, we're going to go back down uh, November 6th with twice as many cages, six cases, sorry, eight cases for twice as long, six months. Okay. And um, really, you have to think of this, because there have been wineries that have put wine in the ocean and they, you know, pull it out, pop the cork, taste it. Oh, it tastes pretty good. <laughs> this really is a, an experiment. So you have to do a comparison. You have to taste the ocean age wine versus the same wine aged on land. Um, and then try and figure out what the difference is and then try and figure out um, 
what made the difference because ultimately you know we don't we don't make a lot of wine um but it's too much wine to put it all in the ocean <laughs> so really what we learn from aging wine in the ocean we hope to someday be able to apply to our land aged wine um and, and then i think we're we're really into having an impact not just on on our end product but on an, an entire industry well, I find it interesting. I guess you're gonna you're on a bit of a tour coming up here, right? Uh, to let people taste the difference between your land and ocean wines. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with that. We are. We're doing sort of an old school rock concert type <laughs> tour. Seven cities, seven days, uh, blind tasting. Uh, the ocean-aged wine versus the land-aged wine uh, exclusively for 15 people. We're going to start out in Charleston, South Carolina on November 6th after we put uh, the phase two wines in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to Washington, D.C., New York, Palm Beach, Florida, Little Rock, Arkansas, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Wow. Um, and we've selected uh, some of our restaurant partners and sommeliers and um, wine club members and uh, some people who have gone and and registered on our Facebook page, um, we'll, we'll have we'll select from pe- some people from there too. So we're we're really excited to get some additional feedback. There's only 48 bottles of this. Wow. Um, and so, but but we feel like it's important to to really share it with people and and get their feedback and and and, and see how the the general public responds to it. That's great. Well, I know, um, again, if folks want to uh, become part of your wine club, check out the wines. They can go to miranapa.com, and you're in some of the better restaurants. Um, do they still have a chance to get in line to be part of the tour? They do. I think it, uh, we're, we're, we're getting close and, and, and probably only have a few slots left, but to the degree that people are interested and they go to our Facebook page great. Uh, and, and, and register, you know, we'll, we'll keep looking at that right up until the time. And if someone cancels and we have an opening or. Nice. Well, we have been having a lot of fun sipping your wine and definitely I think these experiments are going to shed a lot of light for wine storage going forward. And, and maybe warehouses will start simulating the conditions at the bottom of the sea. I guess time will tell. (laughs) That'd that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, I really appreciate your time, Bear, with us here on The Sipping Point. If you want to check out more, as I said, go to miranapa.com. And thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Cheers.